The Astrea Trilogy, written and read by Seymour Hamilton. Book Three, The Wanderer's Curse. Chapter Ten, in which Astrea sails north. When they burst out of the hall, they chose the path made by light from its tall windows, but in a few moments they were in complete darkness. There was no moon, and when he looked up to find a star to guide him, clouds obscured most of the sky. Astrea and Arneb let go of Lindy, as all four of them almost fell. "'Watch out! You'll make me drop me basket! Any of you have the faintest clue what to do next?' "'Where's Damon?' Astrea asked. "'We Bronwyn, I'd bet,' said Cam. Astrea felt Lindy's hand on his arm. "'Are you all right, Lindy?' "'I have to go back.' "'Grandmother needs my help.' "'No,' said Arneb. "'Her fight. "'Stay, and it's worse for her.' Astrea heard Lindy gasp. Her fingers tightened on his arm. "'You go back, Lindy,' said Astrea. "'When we're gone—' "'He's right. "'I have to go.' Astrea felt her fingers leave his arm. "'What are you—' he began. "'Lindy!' "'No,' said Arneb. "'I'm trying to find the path,' said Lindy. "'It should be a bit to our right. Stay close.' "'Glad you're here, Lindy,' said Cam. "'Keep talking. I can't see a thing.' "'Shuffle your feet until you feel earth. "'Oh, good. I'm on it. Now, follow me.' "'Lindy,' said Estrella, "'use your clasp.' "'Why didn't I—' "'Oh, that's better.' The stone lit the grass on either side of the earthen path, and Lindy sped up to a fast walk. As she did so, it seemed that the darkness around them grew even thicker. When Astrea looked up, whatever faint light was in the sky disappeared behind the solid blackness of the earthworks that surrounded the home. A few paces later, Lindy's green stone rose upwards as she set foot on the bottom step of the stone stairway. They followed her, climbing swiftly, leaning forward to feel the next steps with their hands. One after the other, they emerged from the deep shadow onto the top of the wall and stood for a moment, getting their bearings before descending. Now that they were above the earthworks, they could feel a breeze. Below them, there was the faintest shimmer on the water. Ahead, Astrea saw a ragged line of treetops on the island that protected the landing. Behind them at the home, a door slammed open with a bang that echoed within the earthworks. A moment later, they heard confused shouting behind them. "'They're getting away! Stop them! No, let them go! Take care! They're dangerous!' All four plunged down the path to where sea-foam lay on the pull-out. Partly from luck, partly because Lindy's stone led them, they all arrived on the shingle beach without a fall. "'Cam, clear the winch. Lindy and I'll shove her off,' said Astrea. "'There's chocks. I'll get them,' said Arneb. "'When you're finished, Arneb, get aboard and—' "'You're—I'm on it.' Pebbles and small stones clinked as they found their way to sea-foam and took their positions. Wooden wedges splashed into the water, and the boat rocked as Arneb climbed aboard. Astrea felt the bow-line fall slack across his back. "'Be ready to grab the gunwale,' he said to Lindy as he heard her arrive beside him. "'She'll go with a rush.' Astrea pushed on the bow, but the boat was stuck on the slipway. He turned around, braced his back against the boat, pushed— but only drove his legs into the shingle. The boat rocked from side to side. 
and he felt Cam's hand on his shoulder. "'What are you doing, Cam? Push!' "'Putting me basket of eats aboard,' said Cam calmly. "'And she's moving. One more shove and we'll be—' Estrella almost fell flat. He turned, reached up, and grabbed the gunwale, just in time to take three running strides, the last of which carried him shin-deep into the water. He kicked up, caught his heel in the scuppers, hauled himself upward, and rolled onto the foredeck. As he got to his knees, he heard muttering below him over the other side of the boat. "'Estrella, it's my skirt. Wet!' "'Weighs like rocks!' "'He fumbled along the gunwale until he felt Lindy's hands. "'He took her by the wrists, half stood, "'and at the risk of falling over her head, "'pulled as hard as he could. "'He heard material tearing. "'Enough, enough, let go!' "'Lindy's leg gleamed white on the dim grey of the deck. "'Water dripped back into the sea as she struggled aboard, "'and then to her feet. "'They stood side by side, hanging on to the starboard stays, looking back up to the earthworks, where a lantern swayed back and forth as if signalling. More lights appeared over the top of the earthworks. One detached itself from the cluster and started down the track to the water. "'No! Damon! Don't go!' a shrill voice screamed. "'It's Bronwyn,' said Lindy. "'Janice! No!' Bronwyn screamed again. "'Damon! The deadfall!' A lantern descended the steep bank in a bobbing rush as Damon jumped and slid down the track. Behind him wood creaked, then thudded, then turned into a thunderous rumbling of rocks and timber. "'Dive, Damon! Dive!' Estrella shouted. Spray rained down on sea-foam as boulders and balks of wood tumbled into the sea where the boat had been only moments before. Pebbles and small stones rattled on the deck and splashed around them. Lindy and Estrella were almost thrown into the water as the boat pitched and wallowed, her bow rising and falling to the wave caused by the avalanche. "'We can't leave without Damon,' said Estrella. "'He can't see us,' said Arneb. Estrella slid down into the cockpit, leaned over the side, pushed back his sleeve, and green light from his clasp lit the water. Moments later Lindy's clasp joined his. Waves still surged and splashed along the shore where the rocks and timber had fallen, but there was no sign of anyone in the water. Damon, Estrella called, over here. No, over here. Damon's voice, strangely calm, came from behind them. I'm on the other side of the boat, and I'd like a little help getting aboard, if you don't mind. Estrella and Lindy turned, each grabbed one of Damon's hands, and together they hauled him aboard. "'I went under,' said Damon, as he stood dripping in the cockpit. "'No fooling,' said Cam. "'You're lucky you came back up. "'Now let's make sail and get out of here.' "'No wind,' said Arneb. "'The current should take us out into the main bay,' said Lindy. "'Then maybe we can catch a breeze.' "'Needs steerage way to get there,' said Arneb. "'That's you and me, Strayer,' said Cam. "'Where'd they put the oars?' Estrella fumbled the oars out of their lashings and passed one to Cam. They stood to row, trying not to slip on the wet cockpit sole where both Lindy and Damon dripped water from their sodden clothes. A bare leg gleamed greenish-white through a long rent in Lindy's skirt. "'Douse your lights,' said Arneb. "'Someone might have a bow.' Lindy pulled the sleeve of her blouse down over her clasp, and reached up to Estrella's arm to do the same for him, so that he would not have to break the rhythm of the rowing. Estrella looked up at Arneb's head and shoulders, dimly silhouetted against a spatter of lights up on the earthwork. 
Then the current carried seafoam around the end of the protective island, and the lights vanished. Ripples tapped against the boat's sides, and Estrella felt a breeze ruffle his hair. Damon's teeth chattered. "'Make sail,' said Arneb. "'I've got the main,' said Estrella, as she shipped his oar and started to undo the lashings that secured the sail around the yard and boom. "'Lindy, why don't you and Damon go below and dry off?' "'Clothes in lockers under benches,' said Arneb. "'I got the jib,' said Cam, as he stowed his oar and scrambled onto the foredeck. "'Come on, Damon,' said Lindy. "'I can't work in the dark, even if they can.' Wet material brushed Estrella's legs. "'Wretched skirt!' Lindy grumbled. First time in years that I wear something I really like, and now it's ruined.' As she felt her way down to the cabin, she brushed past Estrella, who saw again in his mind's eye the instant when her bare leg caught the green light from both their clasps. "'Estrella? Cam? Arneb? Here's your jackets.' Damon's voice broke through Estrella's reverie, and he struggled into his black sharkskin. Beside him, Cam almost disappeared into his shapeless jacket, and then the two of them made sail under a gentle night breeze from the west. "'South-south-west,' said Arneb from the helm. "'Oh, thereabouts.' "'Thereabouts?' asked Cam. "'We'll need better than that to thread the needle tween them headlands that Lindy calls the two feet.' "'Just look,' said Arneb. They sailed in starlight that reached them intermittently between clouds. After a long port reached through little waves, Estrella saw the gap between the headlands as a low patch of stars between the solid blackness of the hills. They turned and sailed close-hauled, holding their course through the narrows, and on until they were well out into the open ocean, where they eased into a broad reach with the wind on the port side. A thin stream of smoke from Seafoam's little stove twisted away to the lee. The faint glow of false dawn lit the eastern sky, silhouetting the hills to landward. A thick charcoal line, Astrea thought as he stood, swaying gently to the motion of the boat, then a bit lighter for the sea, and then smudge it into uneven grey. Same thing for the hills, outlined against the sky. Toss in the morning star before it fades. Then light gleamed up from the low cabin into the cockpit, and Lindy was at his side. "'Hot drinks,' she said. As he took the mug she offered him, the sky paled, and he was able to look into her face. He saw the slight tilt of her head, the gleam of her hair, and, though her eyes were in shadow, he knew she was looking into his. His eyes strayed downward, where he saw that she now wore an ill-fitting jacket of canvas, and white breeches turned up at the ankle almost to her knees. They stood sipping at the drinks she had brought, watching the dawn turn the sky to pale gold. "'We uh, ruined your homecoming, Lindy,' said Estrella. "'It's my fault if—' "'It wasn't you,' said Lindy. "'Arneb's right. I wasn't behaving entirely rationally.' "'No good'll come from blaming yourselves,' said Arneb. "'But I lost my temper at Janice. Again. If it hadn't been for Grandmother—' "'If it hadn't been for your grandma,' said Cam, as he came up into the cockpit, "'we'd have been trying to get away without hurting someone, "'and with Damon's habit of drawing his knife, "'that might have been what you call problematic.' "'It was your knife that started it,' said Damon behind him. "'That were different. "'I was just bringing something to cut the bread with. "'And speaking of which, who's up for some breakfast?' 
"'Good idea,' said Arneb. "'I'm still worried about Grandmother,' said Lindy. "'She took over at the last minute, "'and I'm afraid of what Janice might do to her. "'She's very good at twisting things to her advantage.' "'Not this time,' said Arneb. "'Sarah's the hero. "'Took on four men with knives, remember? "'Threw them out of the hall. "'Janice just stood there.' "'D'ye think?' asked Damon. Arneb nodded. "'Warrior woman,' he said. "'Same as before.' "'You mean, was she one of the women who—' "'Who threw out the men?' Estrella asked. Arneb nodded again. "'That's something nobody talks about,' said Lindy. "'I mean, the patriarchs were eliminated, um, expelled. Uh, "'They didn't come back because some of them were—' "'Dead,' Arneb completed. "'How do you know that she—' Lindy asked. "'Bits and pieces here and there,' said Arneb. "'Cat, Sarah herself.' "'Now things have changed. "'She'll best Janice, don't you worry.' "'I should have,' Lindy began, and then started again. "'I shouldn't have.' When she left both thoughts incomplete, Estrella realised how deeply she'd been affected by all that had happened since their arrival in Matris. He thought of the times when her confidence had supported him, and saw that now she needed assurance.' Hoping his words would be adequate, he stared towards the growing light, took a breath to speak, but Arneb spoke before he could begin. "'Ah, Lindy, I hope you're not going to say I shouldn't be here, leaving on a converted longboat,' said Arneb. "'I decided long ago that I'd leave if a—that is, when all of you left.' "'You decided,' said Estrella. "'That's what matters.' Things aren't turning out as any of us expected, but, Lindy, the point is that we're making them turn out, if you know what I'm trying to say. His words seemed stupidly inadequate to him, so he concentrated on his steering and hoped that she would not think him unfeeling. The first gleams of sunlight lanced over the horizon and across the sea, momentarily blinding him. He looked down, blinked, and then raised his eyes to Lindy's face. She met his eyes, and her lips quivered. "'Well, go on. Hug,' said Arneb, and deliberately looked at the horizon. Lindy's hands drifted upwards. She leaned towards Estrella, and then, as she saw Cam and Damon grinning, checked herself. Suddenly confident, Estrella put his arm around her and drew her to him. She hesitated for a moment and then put her head on his shoulder, her lips against his ear. He heard her softly murmur his name and then they stood, swaying slightly with the boat's motion, neither of them caring what the three others were thinking, even though they were barely an arm's length away. As if from a great distance, Estrella heard Cam and Damon descend into the cabin, talking about food and drink. An indeterminate time later, Estrella no longer felt Lindy's breath on his cheek, and the warm, soft pressure of her body withdrew, and she was standing in front of him, with a little smile at the corners of her mouth. "'Well, that's a relief. I was afraid we'd never be close again, or that if we tried, it wouldn't work.' She paused and then added, "'It did, didn't it?' Estrella nodded, speechless. Arneb cleared his throat, and they both turned towards him. "'Time to use the stones,' he said. "'Need to know who's where.' "'Food first, said Cam, returning to the cockpit with his basket. "'Roast chicken, smoked fish, 
nut bread, said Damon, following him, and that's just the beginning. They spent what was left of the sunrise eating, and when they were finished, Arneb waved Astrea and Lindy towards the cabin. Two clasps and a stone, said Arneb. You'll see over the horizon. Get the clasps close, but don't let them touch. Blow you out of the boat. But you know that. Line them up together fore and aft. I'll box the compass. Sing out when you get a bearing. And pull the curtain while you're down there, said Damon. I don't want to see that weird light. Cam sat on the companionway steps and drew the curtain, shutting out the early morning from the cabin. In the green light of their clasps, Astrea took the metal egg from his jacket pocket and rolled the gleaming stone into the hanging basket and then passed his clasp above it so that it became a bright pool of green light that lit the whole cabin. He stood half-crouched under the low cabin roof, turned so that he faced the starboard side of the cabin with his left arm toward the bow and his clasp adding its light to that of the shipstone. Lindy looked a question and he drew her to stand beside him so that the clasp on her arm was close to his. Ready, he said to Cam. Ready, Cam repeated to Arneb. They felt the boat move under them, and Astrea braced his shoulders against the low cabin top. Lindy put one hand on his shoulder. Arneb's voice gave instructions to Damon that were muffled by the curtain and the sound of wind and water as the boat changed course. They heard a rope slap on the roof above them, felt the boat lean in a different direction. "'Neb's asking if you feel anything,' said Cam. Astrea shook his head. They heard Arneb's voice again, and once more felt the cabin's soul move to a fresh angle. Suddenly, Astrea and Lindy doubled over and almost fell to their knees. Their arms bent uncontrollably toward their faces, and their left hands clenched spasmodically into fists. "'Now!' Astrea yelled. "'What was that?' Lindy gasped, as the shock left almost as quickly as it had begun." "'We were in line with another shipstone,' said Astrea. "'Cam, tell Arneb, done it already. "'We saw the green flash. "'He's got the bearing, and he says, "'Put the stone away and come up on deck.' "'Astrea and Lindy stepped apart, "'and she sat on the companionway steps, "'while Astrea carefully scooped the shipstone "'back into its egg-shaped box "'and tucked it into the pocket of his jacket. "'Is that how you navigated Cygnus?' "'Lindy asked.' Um, no. I mean, yes, but differently. In Cygnus it was tiring, but it didn't hit me like that. The forbidden room must have protected me from when the stones line up. They climbed back up into the cockpit, blinking in the morning sunlight after the green-lit cabin. Damon was steering, and Arneb was sitting on the cockpit sole, resting his head against the boat's side. Are you all right? Lindy asked. Shaken, said Arneb. Powerful wielders, like Oron was. More so. Was? Astrea asked. When younger, said Arneb, he signalled beyond the horizon. Mia, sir, not as much. What about the others? Mufrid, Gar, Janfar, and my father? Horizon only. And receive, of course, like Alner, Nash. Why am I... why are we... different? Arneb shrugged. "'Well, I don't like it at all,' said Damon. "'Here we are, aiming for a ship we can't see, going we don't know where.' "'You got a point there, Damon,' said Cam. "'Where are we going?' "'Following Cygnus, heading northeast,' said Arneb. 
Where's Simnus going, and why? Lindy asked. Arneb shrugged again. He started to get back to his feet, changed his mind, and sat still. He's standing out too far to see to be heading for Teenmouth, said Cam, and I can't think why he'd be going to where that Mufrid attacked Spindrift. He glanced at Arneb and left his thought unfinished. Look again soon, said Arneb. Next time, Estrella alone. Will they know? asked Cam. Maybe, said Arneb. In the Forbidden Room? Likely. The Forbidden Room, said Damon. Good name for where they do the weirdness with the green stones. It's where we navigate, said Estrella. There's a plotting table and echo stones, and you can— I don't want to know, said Damon. I'm never going there. You can't, said Arneb. Forbidden, without a clasp. Which means Dabby's the only one in it, said Cam. Dabby can't stay below all the time, said Estrella. He'll check the stones when the watch changes, and if there's an alteration in the course or wind, but he'll want to get some rest in between. I'll try again mid-afternoon. Maybe then we'll know for sure where he's going. Is it only me what's wondering if we're going to eat and drink on this trip now me basket's empty? Ten days' food and drink for two, said Arneb. Two or three for five. Hard tack and water, I bet, said Cam gloomily. The wind freshened during the morning and settled into the southwest, putting them into a beam reach. Damon steered for a while, and then as the sea foam became more lively, Damon went below and Estrella took over. He kept the boat on course over rolling seas, flecked with occasional white caps that speckled the sea out towards the horizon. On the port side the land was a dark smudge of greenish-brown that by early afternoon had receded to a thin line. Lindy joined Estrella in the cockpit, leaving the others below. "'What are they doing down there?' Estrella asked. "'Talking. Laughing a bit. Swapping lies. Man-stuff. "'So you came up here to get away?' "'No, Estrella, I came up to be with you.' Estrella was silent, wondering what to say that would not sound completely foolish. After what seemed to him a long time, Lindy spoke. "'You love sailing, don't you?' Estrella nodded. "'It's... it's absorbing. Most of the time you can't think of anything else. You're either busy staying alive or making sure that everything keeps on going well.' "'Is everything going well?' The wind's fair, the weather's good, but... But? But once again, I can only guess where we're going, and I've got all of you with me. Would you like us to jump over the side? Of course not, especially not you. It's just that I feel responsible. Things go wrong around me. Stop that, Estrella. We're all grown-up people. We chose to come with you. Besides, what you said isn't true. When things go wrong, you're the one who always knows what to do next. Arneb's letting you use his boat, for goodness sake. Do you think he'd do that for just anybody? And to thank him, I've nearly scorched his brains out with the stones. Time to do so again, said Arneb. He was standing on the companionway steps, looking up into the cockpit, a roll of paper in his hand. "'You alone this time, Estrella. I've the helm.' A few moments later, Estrella was by himself in the cabin, carefully positioning the shipstone in the basket that dangled from the cabin roof. 
Once again, Arneb swung the boat around. This time, the moment when they pointed towards Cygnus was not so dramatic, and Estrella only felt a slight shock as the green light intensified. "'Now!' he shouted. "'We know!' Cam shouted back. Estrella put the shipstone back in its egg, balancing as the boat heeled to starboard. He replaced the metal box in his pocket and climbed back up into the cockpit, where he saw that sea foam was now close-hauled, heading north. "'Not so bad this time,' said Cam. "'Arneb sort of twitched, and Lindy jumped like she'd been pitched. "'Cam, give me the chart and take the helm,' said Arneb. "'Estrella, look.' He unrolled heavy paper on the stern deck and traced a line with his finger. "'Where did this come from?' Estrella asked as he admired a chart that showed the coastline in much more detail than the one on Cygnus. "'I'll know. He wanted his people to know where we were when we were in the longboats.' Before Estrella could ask Arneb how much more Alnair had shared with his crew, Arneb was pointing at the chart. "'Our course from Natris. Here's where you got a fix on Cygnus, putting her somewhere over here, heading west and north.' as if she were heading up to where Spindrift, um... He paused, took a breath, and pointed. But we're about here now, and she's in this direction, heading north along the coast towards the village. The words burst out of Estrella. Adramin's heading for the village to kidnap men for his ship, for his ships, now that Mufrid's gone. He probably let some go when he landed at Charton. Deserted, more likely, said Cam. "'Maybe,' said Estrella. "'That wouldn't bother him if they were old and not so able. "'He wants seamen like Roaring Jack and Red Ian. "'He said so himself, and now he's going after them.' "'How?' Cam asked. "'He don't know the way.' "'I don't know. "'I certainly didn't tell him,' said Estrella. "'Nor Dabbing, nor even Oron, though I think he might have guessed.' "'It's my fault,' said Lindy. Four pairs of eyes looked at her incredulously.' "'Estrella's sketches of the shoreline,' she said. "'Roaring Jack threw them out of his boat when he dumped us at Charton. "'Cam picked them up, and we took them to the inn. "'We all looked at them in the kitchen. "'And afterwards I put them in the drawer under my bunk at the Black Sheep,' said Estrella. "'Yes, and I forgot them when I packed for us to get down the secret passage,' said Lindy. "'Somehow Adramin must have gotten hold of them.' "'We have to warn the village,' said Estrella. "'Cygnus is ahead by maybe half a day's sailing,' said Arneb as he pointed to the chart. "'Sailing the way Seafoam's rigged now,' said Estrella. He looked a question at Arneb, who nodded. "'We're going to go a whole lot faster,' said Estrella. "'Seafoam can do it, but the price is a lot more work for all of us. "'Arneb, if you'll take the helm, Damon and I will shake out the mainsail. "'Lindy, you take the main sheet. Arneb will tell you what to do.' "'Come on, Damon, we have to reshape the mast.' "'What am I?' Cam demanded. "'Fish guts?' "'You get to do the skilled job,' said Estrella. "'Damon and I are just muscle. "'Go below and find us another jib. "'If there's more than one, we want the biggest.' "'Sail locker forward of the mast to port,' said Arneb. "'The one bundled with red wool ties.' Cam disappeared below, and reappeared with an armload of canvas in the shape of a long sausage, tied at intervals with threads of red wool. The three young men climbed and crawled forward until they were kneeling on the foredeck ahead of the mast. 
Cam, just hang on to the big jib for a bit while we reset the mast. Damon, there are two halyards belayed on the mast that aren't doing anything at the moment. One of them is doubled. You take one, I'll take the other. Ready, Arneb. Arneb luffed seafoam into the wind, her sails a-shake, and helped Lindy loose the ties that held the extra sail bunched along the boom. The mainsail hung above the boom, which pointed fore and aft, and the jib shook, its sheets slapping the foredeck. "'Now haul, Damon,' said Estrella. "'I'll help.' They heaved together, hand over hand. The gaff pointed increasingly skyward. The mainsail flattened, even as it continued to shake. With a thump, the gaff and the mast became one. Seafoam lurched as our neb brought her back on course. Lindy adjusted first the main, and then the jib. The two sails bellied, and the boat steadied. Then she dipped her port rail into the sea, and her speed increased.' Out of the corner of his eye, Astraea saw Arneb give a little nod of approval. "'Lindy, sit to windward!' Astraea shouted over the rushing sound of water. "'Catch your feet under the rope below the cockpit combing, and you won't feel as if you're about to go over the side.' With the wind now on the starboard side, and the mainsail almost close-hauled, Seafoam plunged her bow into the waves, spraying the three of them on the slippery foredeck. Damon clung to the halyard he had just belayed. Astraea helped Cam from losing his bundle of sail over the side. "'You're going to like this, Cam,' said Astraea. "'Find the peak of the big jib and secure it to the eye splice on the halyard Damon's holding. The sail's bundled with woolen threads so that it won't catch the wind until you break it out. Run one sheet through the forward of the two sheaves along the starboard rail, and I'll do the same with the port one. Damon and I will hoist quickly, with the sail bunched, and then you can pop it open by pulling the sheets.' Sit with one leg on each side of the mast, that way you won't go over the side. There's two cleats on the mast. Take a turn of each sheet around them and work the sail two-handed. Cam, there's a jib boom clipped to the mast. Put the top end through the bight on the starboard sheet and get ready to haul down. Cam's eyes grew wide, but his grin was wider still as he followed Estrella's instructions. Moving nimbly on the wet deck, he swung himself from the mast to the starboard stays, where he bent over and caught a capful of spray in the face. Further astern, Astraea wetted one arm to the shoulder to secure the other sheet as Cam scrambled into position by the mast. "'Ready!' Cam shouted. "'You too, Damon?' Astraea asked as Damon took a fresh grip on the halyards and clenched his teeth. "'Then haul!' Astraea shouted. The sail rose to the masthead, looking like a long sausage with two tails. Then there was a moment when Astraea thought they'd blundered and the new sail wouldn't open. Cam slid towards the mast. Then the first of the wooden ties snapped, the jib boom swung down and forward, and the rest of the ties popped open one after the other all the way to the masthead. The sail filled with a thud, and Cam was nearly jerked overboard. The boat lurched a second time, water racing along her lee side. Cam trimmed the sheets, and Seafoam heeled a little further, and then steadied, with the spray splashing on the foredeck. "'Back into the cockpit, Damon,' said Estrella. "'Join Lindy on the rail and help us hold her down.' "'Take her, Estrella,' said Arneb, and Estrella slid into position to windward of the curved tiller. Seafoam leaped across the waves, her lee-rail slicing spray that wetted the foot of all three sails. Estrella glanced at Lindy, who was leaning back into the wind, both hands holding the main sheet. 
She looked back at him and smiled. Her hair blew across her face and caught at the corners of her mouth. Estrella gulped. Seafoam yawed slightly, swayed and steadied. "'Concentrate, Estrella,' muttered Arneb. Estrella did not need the admonition. Triggered by his own mistake, his pulse slowed, and he went into the familiar state in which he had time to choose. His eyes flickered up and down each of the three sails. He checked with his clasp that he was maintaining the course. He took in the rise and fall of the waves, the minor fluctuations of wind ruffling the swells to windward, and still he had time to think about how to get the best out of the boat. He even noticed Damon's wide-eyed surprise at the speed at which they were travelling, and Cam's intuitive understanding of how to play the sheets of the free-floating sail. He let his eyes slide across Lindy, and deliberately chose not to linger, lest he not be able to think of anything else. Instead, he scanned upwind toward the horizon, to be prepared for any sudden gusts. As they settled into the new rhythm of sailing, Arneb slid into a sitting position on the cockpit sole in the sun, rested his head against the boat's side, and closed his eyes. When Lindy bent over him anxiously, he opened his good eye, looked up at her, and winked. "'Taking a little rest in the fresh air. Don't tell me to go below.' Lindy looked into his eyes, nodded, and went back to her position. Estrella saw Damon easing his shirt-sleeves away from his forearms. "'How are your arms?' he asked. "'All right. They're just about healed over. I shouldn't have asked you to do so much.' As the day wore on, they spelled each other at the various tasks of helm, main-sheet, jib, and the big flying jib. Lindy showed an ability to control the sails that surprised everyone, except Estrella. Damon was quick to learn how to steer, and Cam was capable of any job that needed doing. Estrella took more than his share of time at the helm, not only because he felt responsible for the boat's safety, but also because he feared that Arneb was overtaxing his strength. The cut on his face was healing, but he lacked the vigour that had been apparent when he'd been that crucial figure in the retreat from the inn. Estrella saw how he took every opportunity to sit, or at least lean against something, his shoulders slumped, and his head no longer as erect as it had been when they had first met. His speech was increasingly brief and direct, and seemed to demand a special effort. Astrea wondered how much Arneb had been affected by the shock when Lindy's and his stones had aligned to locate Cygnus. He opened the protective flap in his black jacket, checked his clasp, and then covered it again, deciding to avoid using the shipstone again. Lindy, where's your clasp pointing? he asked. Lindy pushed back the sleeve of the borrowed canvas jacket she wore and looked at her green stone. A bit left of a head. What happens if I ease seafoam a bit? He pulled on the tiller, and the boat responded, leaving a long curve in her wake. It's pointing much more to the left, um, port. Almost, what's the word, uh, a beam. Astrea nodded at her, smiled, and brought seafoam back onto her course. "'What was all that about?' Cam demanded from the foredeck. The manoeuvre had cost him a wetting as Seafoam's bows slapped a wave. "'Sorry about that, Cam,' said Estrella, "'but I have good news. "'We've just about overtaken Cygnus. "'I can't see her, but she's there somewhere, "'coasting along closer to the shoreline. "'We won't have to fly the extra jib all night.' 
We're sailing at night? Damon asked querulously. Have to, if we want to get there first, said Cam. Meantime, we'll hang on until dusk, and then ease her by striking the jib before it gets dark, said Estrella. It's a bit tricky getting it inboard without catching a wave. Seafoam continued to race northward as the sun sloped down to the west, where it silhouetted the cliffs and hills that had been only a distant line during the day. They struck the second jib without incident, and when the boat no longer drove into the tops of the waves, Arneb called all but Estrella below to a supper that he had contrived to cook on the little stove. "'You're a miracle worker, Neb,' said Cam, as he tasted a big mug of fish soup. "'This ain't bad at all at all.' The good side of Arneb's face approximated a smile. Above them in the cockpit, Estrella checked his clasp once more and looked astern. "'I think I saw a light,' he called down to the cabin. "'It's where my clasp points when I let it go.' The odd thing is that Cygnus is on the wrong side of us. She's further out into the ocean. He's tacking out to sea rather than chance the shoreline in the dark, said Arneb. So, do you think they can see us? Cam asked. We've only the one candle, and we're low in the water, said Lindy. But maybe they could have seen us earlier. Chances are they weren't looking at where we are, said Cam. "'Better keep the curtain closed, anyway,' said Arneb. "'When Astrea lets it go,' repeated Damon. "'What does that mean?' Lindy explained. "'Astrea can make his class point north, his village, Charton, wherever, "'and it'll stay pointing, no matter where he moves, until he lets it go. "'Then it points to the nearest great ship, "'provided it's within or close to the horizon. "'Mine does the same thing.' "'Good,' said Arneb. "'Take turns through the night.' "'Speaking of turns,' said Cam, "'Strayer's doing all the work, "'and he ain't even had a mug of soup.' "'Damon, who was closest to the companionway, "'carried a mug to Estrella, "'who accepted it gratefully. "'Damon took over the helm, "'steering cautiously at first, "'and then with increasing confidence. "'You're getting the hang of it,' said Estrella. "'Good examples all around me,' said Damon. "'Damon,' "'You seem to be getting along well with Bronwyn at the dance,' Estrella left the thought incomplete. "'Did you hear what she said about me? About me not having to worry? "'She must have heard what that peddler fellow told Janice. "'She guessed what was going to happen, Estrella. "'She tricked me into going to the other side of the hall from where all of you were. "'When it comes to your turn, they'll banish Estrella and Arneb, but they'll let you stay,' she said. I told her I'd go with you. So there we were in the back of the hall, arguing, and then she lost her temper. You know, stamping her foot, waving her hands in the air, the lot. Go with her, then, she said, I suppose, meaning Lindy. And so I ran after all of you as soon as the doors were open. I don't know how I made it to the steps. It was pitch dark, and I was going as fast as I could. Why, Damon? Why didn't you stay? What? "'And miss all the fun?' Uh, "'At the time, you seemed to, um, to like her a lot. "'And she, uh, responded to you, I thought. "'Right up until she started telling me what to do. "'Remember all that mutual respect stuff "'in that preachy little song the children sang? "'For Bronwyn, it boiled down to me obeying her. "'No thanks.' "'She warned you about the deadfall.' 
She didn't want to lose her valuable property, that's all. I'm sorry it didn't work out for you. Hey, Estrella, <laughs> there's lots more girls out there. Damon spoke in his old devil-may-care style, but Estrella wondered whether he was masking his feelings with bravado. There's also every chance that what we're doing could go badly wrong, even get us killed. That's what makes it all worthwhile, said Damon. They sailed on in silence, Estrella checking his clasp every little while until the first stars began to show, and then Damon was able to steer by them. Then, as the constellations took shape overhead, dim starlight made the sea mysterious and the sky a wonder. After a while, they exchanged positions, and Estrella took the helm. The tiller moved back and forth under his hand, connecting him with the boat. One moment he was letting sea foam fall a little off the wind, the next catching her and bringing her back on course, coaxing her along as she rose and fell on the waves, sliding across the water in a long, complicated rhythm that almost repeated itself, but always included enough variation to keep him alert. The masthead danced and dipped across the bright patterns of the constellations. Slowly, almost imperceptibly, stars dropped out of sight to the west and rose in the east, marking the passing of the night. Astrea experienced the lonely, mind-boggling awareness that grips every sailor who knows how small his boat is, how wide the sea, and how impersonally distant are the stars by which he sails. A streak of light fell towards the sea. "'Did you see that?' Damon's voice broke the spell of loneliness, and Estrella was once more conscious that Seafoam held four people who had chosen to accompany him northward, sharing his fate. The thought was as human and comforting as the ocean and starscape were vast and impersonal. "'You'll watch below. Cam's coming up in a moment.' Lindy's voice warmed him with a sudden enthusiasm. "'Lindy, it's good to see you.' "'You can see?' "'I'm not sure I want you to. I must look a mess. Not to me.' "'I'll leave you two alone,' said Damon. Astrea stood aside for Lindy to take the tiller, and they checked that their clasps were still aligned. "'I've been keeping the North Star just a little off to port,' he said, and they both stared upward at a sky prickled with stars. "'We're sailing north under the eagle.' "'The big cross overhead?' Lindy asked. "'We, that is, the village, calls it the White Eagle of the North,' said Estrella, keenly aware that they were both avoiding all the questions that were on both their minds. "'We call it the Goose, which is logical, because at this time of year the geese are heading south. The men of the sea call it the Swan, Cygnus, like the ship.' There was a long pause. "'She's pretty much sailing herself in this wind,' said Estrella. "'Good thing,' said Lindy. "'They stood side by side, swaying together to the boat's movement. "'When we get there,' said Lindy, and paused expectantly, "'I don't know if they'll listen. "'Maybe we'll find out that Adriman isn't planning to murder your village "'the way Mufrid did to Arneb's ship. "'I doubt he's going to turn up on shore and ask for volunteers.' He can lie in wait offshore and pick off the boats from their crews as they go fishing. "'If he can,' Cam interrupted as he climbed into the cockpit, "'he's got to stand clear, cause he don't know where the rocks are. But we do.' 
"'You mean the village could wait him out?' asked Lindy. "'If they're lucky,' said Estrella. "'We winter coming on. He's got to want to be in warmer waters, don't he, Estrella? "'He can't sail through pack ice, that's for sure. "'Well, then, we got no problem.' "'Cam, our problem is that the village may not listen to me,' said Estrella, louder than before. "'As I keep asking, what am I? Cod cheeks and tongues?' "'They'll listen, Estrella,' said Lindy. "'She tilted her face upwards, "'and in the faint starlight Estrella saw her "'as he had done on their journey from the castle to Charton. "'Get some rest, and try not to worry,' she said. "'He was unwilling to end the conversation. "'Are you going to be warm enough? "'Arneb lent me a jacket. "'Here,' he said, pulling off his soft boots from Cygnus, "'keep your feet warm. "'Thank you, Estrella. Now off you go.' Expecting to lie awake turning over and over in his mind all the imponderables into which they were sailing, Estrella parted the curtain and went down into the cabin. The light from a dimmed lantern revealed two blanket-wrapped shapes on either bench and an improvised mattress of spare sails on the cabin sole. He had no sooner lain down than he was asleep. He awoke with a start as someone tripped over his feet on his way up to the cockpit. Identifying Damon from the muttered curses, Estrella sat up. Sunlight slid through a gap in the curtain, making an oblong bright patch that rose and fell to the boat's motion on the port side of the cabin. A roll of blanket and sailcloth was beside him on the cabin sole, and as he stared at it, half asleep, it wriggled, and Lindy's head appeared, her blonde hair tousled. "'Lindy, I didn't know you were, well, here.' "'Glad to hear that, Estrella.' I wondered if you were ignoring me. I, no, that is, I didn't. I wasn't being serious, Estrella, Lindy chuckled. Go on up to the cockpit and give me a little privacy. This is a very small boat to be the one woman with four men, polite though you all are. Oh, and take your boots. They were much appreciated. When Estrella reached the cockpit, Arneb was at the tiller, and Damon and Cam were breaking out the big jib they had struck for the night. It filled with a thud, Seafoam heeled over to bury her starboard rail in the water, recovered, and then regained the exhilarating speed of the previous day. Estrella returned Arneb's silent nod of greeting and looked around. To the west was the broken white line where waves met the foot of cliffs. A line of cloud cut across the eastern half of the sky, purple above and pink below, lit by sunlight just over the horizon. "'The wind's coming around to the west, but it's holding,' said Estrella. "'So far,' said Arneb. Cam slid into the cockpit, having been instructing Damon in the art of playing the two jib-sheets. "'Well, Estrella, where are we?' Estrella rolled back his sleeve and consciously relaxed whatever it was that kept the spear of light in his clasp pointing north. It swung around and pointed astern. "'Ahead of Cygnus,' he replied. "'We'll have to get a bit closer to the land "'for me to tell you anything else, "'assuming that I'll remember.' "'A gust of wind heeled seafoam further to starboard, "'and the crest of a wave splashed onto Cam "'and into the cockpit. "'Ease the sheets, Damon!' Cam shouted. "'Belay that,' said Estrella, as he altered course. "'It's just what we need.' "'The gust had taken them by surprise,' but the boat steadied as Estrella angled them closer towards the coastline. 
A puff of smoke came out of the little chimney at the forward end of the cabin, and Lindy's voice came up from below. Cam, where did you hide the tea? A short time later they ate breakfast in the cockpit. Arneb, who had gone below once Seafoam was on her new course, appeared last, appearing rested, but moving slowly and deliberately. He smiled crookedly at Lindy's concerned look, and settled himself on the cockpit sole with his back against the windward quarter. Cam was at the tiller. Damon relinquished the big jib to Estrella, who sailed mainly by feel, his eyes on the shoreline, looking for anything that might be familiar from the many sketches he'd made when Molly was sailing south. For what seemed to him a very long time, he saw nothing but featureless cliffs topped by unremarkable wind-bent trees. Then, as sea-foam drew closer to the land, he began to see outlying rocks and reefs, marked by the regular flashes of white from the waves that broke over them. Next, the cliffs started to acquire individuality, some slanting at an angle, most falling precipitously to their spray-wet feet. Astraea strove to recall the sketches he had made over the Molly's stern, cursing that he had taken more care over those he had made facing to the south, simply because that's where they had been heading. He bit his lip, trying to force recognition that would not come. So, how's we doing, Estrella? Surprised by Cam's question at his shoulder, Estrella swung around and in that instant knew where they were. He saw the distinctive shape of a cliff and compared it to his memory as if he was holding up the sketch he had just made to check its accuracy. Back there is the cove where we spent our third night away from the village, he said confidently. We must be going more than twice as fast as the Molly ever did. We could be home tomorrow, exclaimed Cam. Here, let me take over. You need to be watching the shore. Estrella moved astern to the cockpit, where he gave the news to Arneb, Damon, and Lindy, who were steering. How can you be so sure? asked Damon. The coastline all looks the same to me. When I was aboard Molly, going south, we went a lot slower and closer to the shore than we are now. And there were two of us looking for odd things, things that stood out. Each evening, we, Roaring Jack and I, would add notes to remind ourselves what we saw. Sometimes we made up names, like Pig Snout Point and Pine Island Bay. How many views? Arneb asked. As many as a dozen a day. Much closer and more detailed than we need, the way we're sailing today. I'd do the landfall ahead, a look into the big bays and inlets that we entered, a look back for when we would return. But we were so close that the line of breakers along the cliff foot over there looked like individual rocks, each of them spouting up its own spray. How do you think Jack made it back with no drawings to follow? Lindy asked. The first time he had the sketches, and then after he threw them away he must have relied on his memory. It came back to him, I suppose, the same way as it did to me. Besides, he'd have been going much slower, probably going into the big bays and bends in the coastline looking for places to anchor or beach for the night. We've been far enough out to sea to make a much more direct passage. Strange thing for your skipper to do, said Arneb, like throwing away a chart. No sailor in his right mind would do that. Estrella looked at him. The idea that Roaring Jack was actually insane had not occurred to him. Belatedly, Estrella recalled Lindy's judgment that Roaring Jack was delusional, and he wondered why he had not taken her words seriously.
With a sigh, he let go of the last remnants of loyalty to his first skipper, the man who had found a use for his talents, and then betrayed and abandoned him. The hurt he had felt at being rejected was replaced by something close to pity for what the man had become. He did not notice that Lindy had seen his moment of comprehension, but when he glanced at her, he saw her smile. "'All he had to do was head north until he saw home,' said Cam. "'No trick to that.' "'And he put in every night. "'What with stars and stones, we can hold our course,' said Estrella. "'He looked around to check their faces, "'remembering the anxious looks he had seen the evening before, "'but after a night's experience they were all ready to do it again. "'Even though they had only been sailing together for a day, "'the routine was now familiar.' They took turns sleeping when off duty, and compensated for each other in terms of strength, experience, and health. Even though he had more responsibility than anyone else, Estrella felt much less distressed than he had been when sailing north aboard Cygnus, when Lindy's safety was a constant worry and there was no one he could trust. Aboard Seafoam, surrounded by friends, even the misgivings that seemed a part of any night watch retreated into insignificance. You have been listening to the Estrella Trilogy, written and read by Seymour Hamilton. All three books are available in electronic and paper formats from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Chapters. Visit astreatrilogy.com for more about Estrella's world. This audio version is licensed under the United States Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0.